Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast and our series on gratitude. This month is full of inspiring women who share with us the power of gratitude in their own lives, and today's guest will most certainly help you realize the possibility of living with intentional gratitude. Michelle Hill is a passionate educator who serves as a coordinator of admissions and communications at Burlington County Institute of Technology. Throughout her career as an educator, Michelle has been a champion for struggling and impoverished students. She has been a guest blogger for ASCD in service, McGraw-Hill, Principal Leadership, Teacher Toolkit UK, Edweek, and ASCD Road Tested. Michelle is the host of Disrupt Ed TV Teacher Sparks and producer of Disrupt Ed TV School Spotlight. In today's episode, not only do we learn more about Michelle's incredible education journey and her background, we are inspired by her very real experiences with cultivating a mindset that focuses on gratitude. I'm a huge fan of Michelle and the way she supports other educators. And this conversation had me absolutely beaming. This woman is tenacious, loving, inspiring, full of wisdom, and I am so grateful that I get to share with you Michelle Hill's gratitude story. Welcome, Michelle Hill, to the In Awe Podcast. I am so excited to have you featured this month, and I am so excited for my listeners to come to your incredible story. So welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Sarah. I am so excited to share my story with you. I have uh, listened to so many of the other women's stories and just been inspired and in awe, um, if we could say that, um, by their stories as well. So thank you for having me. That's so great. Michelle and I have actually been able to connect, you know, virtually for a while, and then we've been able to see one another in person. And so I know a lot about your great story, but I know we're going to learn so much more. And there may be some listeners, some crazy listeners out there that don't know who you are. So Michelle, would you just give a little bit of context for those who don't know about you? Yeah. So um, I, I always call myself a Philly girl because I grew up in Philadelphia, except for just a couple years when I lived in Florida. But um, for the most part, I've been born and raised in Philadelphia, like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. But I live in <laughs> southern New Jersey with my husband and my family. Um, I've been here since I've got married, and that's we're 33 years. So I'm a mom. I have four grown children. I'm a grandmom who has three little boys um, and another one coming in April. I'm a wife and I'm an educator. Well, congratulations on those 33 years. And you don't know how hard it was for me not to bust out singing the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but that's for another time. <laughs> um, and yes, how beautiful Absolutely. grandbabies and been able to see some of those pictures over time and what a it's a blessed life. You also have a really... Um, I would say, impressive background for education. Do you want to share just a little bit about the variety of roles that you've served? Yeah, I started out um, as a special education teacher because um, I just really wanted to help students that struggled in school. I just had a natural draw to the students who were were challenging for teachers, but also who felt like maybe school wasn't for them. And so I was a special ed teacher first. Um, I went back to get my certification to be a Spanish teacher because I absolutely love Spanish and I love the culture. And so I went back and I got enough credits so that I could teach Spanish. And so for a long time, I taught Spanish to special ed students as well as to non-special ed students. Uh, general ed students. 
Um, and I went the gamut from, you know, the, I guess, the most challenged students all the way up to the AP class that I did for one year. I was very fortunate to be able to do that. Now I am a director of admissions and strategic marketing for a institute of technology, um, which is a different role for me. This is my second year doing that. And I absolutely love it because it really embraces all the gifts I have as an educator. Uh, I love to present, share professional development, still get into schools, into the classrooms. I'm getting to know many more students in this new role. And I feel like I'm doing great work uh, at a different level of impacting education. I love it. Uh, and again, I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that Spanish background for some reason I had missed that in your history prior to now. So again, just another thing that I love to connect with you on. And so what, just a little bit more about that strategic marketing for listeners that are curious about what a role like that would do in a school. Can you just peel that apart a little bit for us? I'm curious myself. So the school that I work for is an Institute of Technology and it's a countywide system. So that means that we draw from all over the county. And in, in New Jersey, we have different counties. This is Burlington County. Um, and any student who resides in Burlington County can apply to go to our school. So we do recruitment, just m- much like colleges do, so that people know what we can offer them as a student or their children as students. Um, there is no charge for them to attend our school because it is a countywide public school system but students are able to come and really uh, dive deep into a career and technical education, which is very different than the design of a traditional public high school. Yeah, I like that idea. And we could probably spend the whole podcast talking about that. But I love how you led with talking about your current professional status and the fact that there's so much of your gifts that you're able to pour into it with this history behind you. So we know that we're featuring you on the Gratitude series. And anytime I encounter you, Michelle, I always just know that you're a person who just sees the positive and there's so much to be grateful for in life. Would you be willing to share just a little bit about why you why we decided to feature you on this particular series? Yeah. Um, for me, when you pose some of the different things that we could talk about, gratitude jumped out at me because over the years, I've learned to really live in gratitude every day. You know, it's, it's, it's not a natural thing. I don't think people wake up and say, what do I have to be thankful for? Because we're really bombarded by the negative narrative often. And it's so easy to get wrapped up in that. You know, when you're in a school, you work with your colleagues and people are complaining about having to do lesson plans or they're complaining about, you know, these kids that don't want to learn. And um, I just started shifting the way I thought about things and just started thinking about, you know, let's count our blessings for the things that we have and let's recognize the gifts that we are given each and every day. And so for me, that was absolutely the one that jumped out at me is um, how can we impact other people to know how important and profound it is to live in gratitude every day. Yeah. And I love how you say that it's actually not supernatural for us to look at life that way. And just to see the natural gifts in the world is it's really transformative when you can 
have that mindset. And so just wanted to just chat with you a little bit, Michelle, we've been able to talk in the pre-chat. And when you say it's not natural, would you, would you say that there are some things that you've done to cultivate this mindset intentionally that, that our listeners might gain from? It's funny for me that when I started to shift my perspective, it was because I was impacted by so much positivity around me that I saw, whether it be on Twitter or Instagram, social media, friends that live um, a different style of, of life where they do live in gratitude. Um, and, and all of that impacted me in a way that I had to realize that this is the way I wanted to live. And um, I'll share a story with you, which is really kind of, I guess, the, the catalyst that put me in this uh, mindset of living in gratitude. So I was driving to work one day and to my teaching job, it was before I have the position that I have now. And I had been, you know, interviewing for some leadership roles and I had gotten to the second round in a couple and I hadn't done a lot of interviews, just maybe three or four, but I didn't get those positions. And so I looked up because I have a prayer card on the visor of my car and I, and I almost flippantly said to the prayer card, to the higher beings, I said, you know, can't you just create a job that I want? And that night, a friend called me and said, hey, so-and-so would like your resume. And this job just opened up and it came to me. And after that, when I, um, maybe before that, I had thought that I lived in gratitude and I thought I had trusted, you know, divine uh, intervention. But after that, I was hooked. And I realized that this is all about what you put out to the universe. And so from that day on, I just started living every day by waking up and thinking the sun is shining or look at how beautiful the, the leaves are turning or whatever I could find that was a good way to start my day and just recognize that when you live in gratitude and you um, really practice positivity, so many blessings come your way. I love that story. That's a, it's for the listeners of the in podcast. They understand that I am 1000% all in on stories like that. I love how you said it was kind of flippant at first. And then it just realized, you know, it helped you realize, okay, you know, sometimes we have to come to that because uh, we have to be knocked over the head, but that's pretty exceptional. It was funny because I actually apologized and said, Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> But it was, it was almost like, you know, can you just do this for me? And sure enough, it, it did. So, um, yep, that was, that's probably when I was really all in for gratitude at that moment. That's so awesome. And I think that so many people probably relate to a story like that. It, those that are living this gratitude mindset and trying to speak for people here, but I know that the people that I've encountered, the studying that I've done, the reading that I've done on people like Brene Brown speak to this whole idea of gratitude being uh, something you deployed. It's more than this attitude of gratitude. I just feel like it really comes from those lower moments where you understand like you can appreciate the sunshine because you've been in the clouds and the storms before. And so there's that ability to be intentional about keeping yourself grateful, even in the midst of storms. Does that, does that ring true in your own life, Michelle? Sure. Um, you know, I was thinking about this idea of gratitude and thinking about, you know, what my message would be. And, and I realized that people have so many incredible challenges that I don't, 
you know, there's mm-hmm. people that are dealing with physical challenge, emotional challenges, financial, spiritual challenge, um, so many uh, being lonely. And um, I am not experiencing any of those at this moment in my life. Not that I haven't. Uh, I think we've all gone through tough times. But um, but I, I think to myself, when people are going through those, sometimes that's the, the time that you really have to almost double down and really grab a hold of gratitude because that's what will keep you going through things. I had a friend in college who um, her family just suffered one tragedy after the other. Her mother died of breast cancer. Uh, her sister was diagnosed with cancer. Her, fo- her brother fell off of a roof and he was a quadriplegic. And um, I said to her dad, you know, how do you have faith? And he said, because in times like this, this is all you do have is faith. And so I remember that because I think to myself, um, sometimes in our lowest points in our lives, that when we can embrace our our faith, whatever that may be, and um, live in gratitude, it really helps us to navigate those tough times in ways that bring us out of the darkness. Yeah. And that's an exceptional example. Um, and I kind of really appreciate how you say you're not like in the midst of it right now, but I think that's the piece where you can store up this mindset. This gratitude does not... Um, it doesn't mean you're free of pain. It doesn't mean you're free of fear. It just means that you've learned to be grateful for what you do have, regardless of the, con, you know, the circumstance in the moment. And I'm just thinking back to, I, I know one that you hadn't maybe even thought about, but you and I share running. And I was thinking about how you've just been real tenacious about your running and you had some challenges associated with that, but nothing, none, none of it kept you down as far as I could see. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. So I'm not a natural runner. I didn't start running when I was a young person. I started probably well into my 40s. Um, and so this was not anything that I was very familiar with, but I, you know, little by little, I just challenged myself and um, I had a meniscus tear and I went to the doctors and he said, yep, it's torn. And he said, you can either, you know, have it repaired or you can run on it and see what happens and then have it repaired later. And, and so I did a race like that. Um, and I also had a, um, I just recently had a bad case of vertigo where I was really dizzy a lot and it was after a race. And then I had another race in four weeks and, um, I had to make the decision. Do I, can I, can I do this race? And so I went to the doctors and he said, well, you know, do what you can. And if you think you can do it, do it. And so I ran the 10 mile broad street run with, um, a slightly torn meniscus and a little bit of vertigo, but, and it was raining. but we came out okay. Oh my goodness. So many people would see that as a major challenge, but you're like, but I got it done. (laughs) (laughs) When you have the goal, you know, and and you really are passionate about what you're doing. um, I I think that you see things as obstacles. I see them as hurdles. How do I I jump it? That's awesome. It's really inspiring. I, I think about this a lot as I interview incredible women and the things that they're doing now and thinking about you know, their histories and the challenges that they've overcome. And I know that you have mental attitude of perseverance and kind of, you're pretty tenacious, which is a really great quality. But I also know that you had some challenges in your upbringing that, you know, might have impacted some of your abilities to see the joy in the world, but it's, you know, you've had to overcome some 
fairly significant challenges. Would you want to share anything um, in regard to like a your own childhood and some maybe model that you've seen that kind of helped you build some of those characteristics? Sure. Um, so we had probably what you wouldn't call the traditional nuclear family growing up. My mom had, uh, she was a teenage mom at the age of 16. She had my oldest sister and then my second sister. And she and her husband, um, you know, they were childhood sweethearts kind of thing. They separated. And then my father Mm -hmm. came into the picture and she had my brother and I. So she had four children by the time she was 22. And, um, and that is a challenge in and of itself, because I don't think her mindset was as mature as some other people who have had the opportunity to really kind of uh, get that experience in life, life experience to be able to help them navigate being a mom at that age. And then she also didn't have a great support system in terms of the, you know, the man in the house. And so it was very, very difficult for her. So that for me has really impacted me in ways of, of really understanding what hard work is and helping others. Um, so she raised us to never give our, you know, never give up, um, really work hard at whatever those goals that we had in mind, but also to um, remain humble and never forget where you came from and be able to help others. And that has been really a wonderful gift. Um, my father had some very serious challenges in his life. And uh, from him, I really believe that he gave me the connect, uh, the, the gift of connecting with students who are seen as problematic or difficult. Um, and I see them as the kids that probably need us more than anything. Yeah. And I, I can imagine that has really informed your whole <laughs> educational mindset and, and probably has a pretty significant impact on that. Like I mentioned that tenacious that you're able to have those crucial conversations with people who may not have that same background and experience and mindset. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, for me as an educator, I really firmly believe that it is, it is really our calling to help every student that comes through our door to help every student. And, um, you know, I, I say to people, I taught the kids that showed up, not the ones I wanted to show up or wish showed up, but the ones that showed up. And so I found a way to connect with those students. And I think my background really helped prepare me to have a, a natural relationship in knowing those students so that I could find out what would make them successful. Yeah, that's exceptional. And it also just makes me grateful uh, that you're out there in the world and in this leadership role, able to impact, you know, so many more. And you think about it, teachers are so important and they're so essential in the lives of our students. And I know that that's hard every time you, you know, somebody leaves the classroom to go into a leadership role, but you mentioned that in the role you're in now, you're, you're impacting so many more students. And sometimes that's hard to see that, but I'm just grateful that you've taken that stance and that you're in leadership and doing what you are doing for the students that are in your care. That's, and the, the teachers that you work with, that's really good. Yeah. In this role, it's really unique because I see a lot of students who want to come to the Votex school because they may not fit into the, the traditional model of a school and they want to be a more hands-on approach. And some of them are the kids that in my classroom struggled because they're not traditionally academic students. And so when in my new role, 
I see those kids and I identify them immediately and I look at ways that I can bring them into our school and give them the opportunity to really experience success. And that is very rewarding for me. Oh, I'm, I'm certain. So it actually is a perfect segue when you say that's rewarding for me. I was just going to ask you and kind of thinking about this series on gratitude, what are some of the things that you are just grateful for? And this could be your professional life. It could be your personal life, but just kind of modeling that way of having people sit in a moment of mindfulness and say, what, what are you grateful for right now in this moment? That's, that's an easy one, Sarah. You know, I, I have the gift of health right now. So, you know, minor incidents, uh, minor struggles, but overall a really good body that is healthy, that can do almost anything I want it to do. Um, I'm mentally healthy so that, you know, I, I'm not dealing with any kind of, you know, mental illness. And so I'm, I'm thankful that I have all my faculties that way. I'm thankful for, you know, being a mom and having healthy children who are good people who make the world a better place um, with grandchildren who are healthy, thank goodness. Um, I'm thankful for having, uh, you know, a significant other spouse who has always been my cheerleader who I always joke and say he would step in front of the bus for me. Um, <laughs> and, and he would. Um, and I'm so thankful because he has been a partner in every aspect, um, you know, to, to help me grow as a professional, to support me in my endeavors. But um, just, you know, a wonderful mate in, in all regards and a, and a good friend and a good listener. So I'm thankful for that. I am filled, my life is filled with opportunities to see the world. I, you know, get to travel and uh, know other people, know other cultures, have uh, a lot of people that I enjoy spending time with. And I'm just thankful for being able to have done what I've wanted to do, what was truly a vocation, a calling for me for so many years and enjoy my career so much. A lot of things to be grateful for. Oh, that's awesome. And, and one thing that I really love coming from you, Michelle, is you said that you got to running late, like you weren't young, but you are a young person who I think... <laughs> sees herself as older, but it's just nice because you are, you know, a little bit further down the road than myself and maybe some of the listeners and just hearing you, um, you know, be in a profession and be so passionate about it and to model that way to be grateful, you know, that you're doing it and that you get to do what you love. And in addition to just being able to embrace all those other roles that you have in life, like it's not like, oh, I'm so busy. I have this, I'm a mom, I'm a grandma and I, you know, work with ASCD and other organizations. And it's just so much, you know, like you're just, you're really expressing that life of gratitude through what you do and, you know, opportunities come your way probably because of that attractive mindset that you have. I, I hope so. Um, you know, uh, Lisa Dowds, who we both know and who is just amazing, has given me some great advice over the years. One, she said, just say yes, Michelle. So when these opportunities come, you, you say yes, for the most part, not if it really will, you know, uh, tax you in a way that's unhealthy. But you know, if, if, would you like to be interviewed? Yes. Would you like to do so? Take a chance and say yes. And then the second thing is she said, don't look at things as bogging you down and, and making you so busy. Think about them as opportunities to really enjoy something new or something different. And so all of those things, yes. Am I busy? Absolutely. But 
but I always say it's a good busy and it's, it's incredible that I have the chance to do all of those things that I get to do. I love it. That's, that's just a really great, perfect example of that gratitude. So what I'd like to do is move into the two of the standard questions that we have, Michelle, because I know that you're going to have some gold here. You always have such great wisdom and you say it so well. But the two questions that we have, one is, if you had a chance to write yourself a letter at any age or stage, what would you say? Oh, this one's so easy to see now, but boy, was it hard when I was young. Um, I tried so hard to make people like me, make people validate me and accept me. And uh, I was a people pleaser. And some of that still exists, no doubt. Um, But now I don't let other people define me. And I don't look for their validation in ways that are unhealthy. And I have embraced, um, I would say, know your own worth. If I was talking to myself in my 20s and 30s, I would say, Michelle, know your own worth, be your own person, Uh, don't look for others to validate you, and don't let them define you for sure. Really appreciate that wisdom, and it speaks to so many of us. And it could be, you know, uh, age or stage, but it also, I like how you pointed out that people pleasing um, piece of us, because, you know, we have it, we all have pieces of that, and some of it have more pronounced, maybe for part of how we are raised or whatever that happens to be, but it's a confidence to be able to walk in your own skin and not look to the world to label you. And I'm, I think I've referenced this on the podcast several times. I still struggle with that in relation to, you know, a a title or a lack of a title and how the world needs to see me and how do I define myself? So I needed to hear what you just said right now as a good little reminder there. Michelle, I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome, Sarah. You're doing a terrific job. I'm working on it. Yes, it's it's easy to get caught up in that kind of thing. And I think especially in our world with social media and comparison, you know, that thief of joy piece, but it's really wonderful when individuals like you will be able to step in and remind us of that, that we just, we have to work on it all the time. We don't need other people to validate us. And so I think that what you're going to say in the next question is going to be helpful too, to our listeners. And I always want to ask uh, as an influential woman, what do you think is something you could say to the listener that might be sitting there in a pit of fear or doubt and they just need to hear Michelle Hill's voice to help them rise up out of it? You're enough. I don't know how many people in general, but more women, we really struggle with, am I enough? Am I enough to my mate? Am I enough mm-hmm. to um, my school, to my students, to my children? And um And I just want women to know you are enough, just as you are. Get comfortable in your own skin and really do some self-care because when you're healthy, mentally, physically, emotionally, um, you are a much better person to be around and you will be enough for them. And, you know, don't try to reinvent yourself for every different group that you belong to or every different the school that you work in, just remember that you are who you are and you are enough. Yes. And again, tying that from the past to the present, that's a really great tie through. And I literally just within the last several, like an hour or so, saw Bethany Hill, who's not related to you, but both people I just love and respect so much, posted that exact thing. You are enough. And I think we just all need those reminders at different points in our lives. Women, I think in particular, struggle with this notion. 
and for many reasons because of maybe how we were raised and society but uh, at the end of the day i love i love when women can support one another and uplift one another in ways that are meaningful that are profound and that they elevate all of us because we are much better together than we are separate and um, and when we tell each other you are enough and it's okay to make mistakes and and still love one another for that and through that I think we're just in a much better place 1000% and I've seen you do that I've seen the power in that um, I've I've watched you do that I've heard you do that in boxer groups and just so grateful in this series of gratitude that I get to be connected with you and that my listeners can do that too and so on that vein I always try to grab a couple of recommendations from my uh, inspiring guests. Is there anybody that you would recommend that uh, my listeners connect with? You know, I'm following a couple of people on Instagram. It's a daily inspiration, like every day that there is a different one, but it's called Commanding Life. And that really reminds us to live in gratitude every day. It's, it's not an education a social media account. Um, but it really does uplift me every day. And it talks about struggles and kind of, you know, plowing through your struggles and living in gratitude. The other one that is a awesome, uh, I guess, resource that whenever you're really kind of challenged with difficult things in life is Trent Shelton. And he is, he's on Instagram and Facebook and uh, Twitter as well, but he has videos where he just talks about your self-worth and what you deserve in life and remind you that you are enough. And so those two have really been wonderful in terms of just reminding me on a daily basis to live in gratitude and that to keep staying, you know, towards my true north of, of what I'm doing. And I think that those are just awesome. In addition to all of the incredible educators that we follow on Twitter and Facebook and just amazing people out there who remind us that we are fighting the good fight and, and making a difference in children's lives every day. That's awesome. And so I will make sure to link those and thank you for the tie through on that gratitude piece. How about any, I, I know you're a well-read lady, but any books that you would recommend? I read Danny Steele's books, which are just such common sense and so easy. Uh, John Meehan's book about um, gamifying your classroom is an awesome one. I'm pretty much addicted to the pirate series of anything with uh, Dave Burgess uh, publishing because they do an amazing job of sharing educational information out there, but also life, uh, life experiences. And I loved uh, Allison Apsey's uh, Serendipity. That was an, an awesome book as well. So there's a lot to read out there. Um, I do listen to podcasts and I listen to things on audio. And one of the books that I just listened to was Michelle Obama's book, which was fantastic. And another one called Educated. And that is a uh, really eye-opening story of a girl who had some serious challenges in her life and became a Harvard grad and, and really uh, doing some terrific things. So uh, I use my time in the car to listen to either podcasts or, or audiobooks. Well evidenced. And I love that. So I'll try to get all those linked. And I think we maybe had this conversation at a Voxer group. I love the audio version of Michelle Obama's Becoming, just the way oh. she read it. It's such a, a great book and it's been recommended on this podcast before, but this might be the opportunity listeners to pop that one in because that's a real great 
listen. Yeah. And she reads it herself, which is a a big bonus. Absolutely. Okay, Michelle. Well, I am so grateful that we found some time to have this interview. I know we've tried a few different times and it was just meant to be here in this gratitude series. But for our listeners who are going to want to engage with you after this interview, what is the best way that they could get a hold of you? Well, the easiest and best way is Twitter because, uh, you know, we are Abbott Twitter users. And so I'm at Hill M Rispo, R-I-S-P-O. That is one way. I also am on Facebook under Michelle Rispo um, and Instagram under Michelle Rispo. So any of those three ways are terrific. Well, awesome. We'll make sure to link so that listeners can get a hold of you because I know they're going to want to do that. And I'm just so grateful that you would take the time to give this inspiring interview, Michelle. I'm excited for listeners to come to your story. And I'm so grateful that you are in this world and a part of my circle. Oh, thank you, Sarah. I feel exactly the same way. And I am so hopeful that we get to connect again soon. Absolutely. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.